Hello, 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 and welcome in to yet another episode of Just Saying Sports. My name is Jay Catnip, here with my best friend, Sean Dwyer. How you doing, bud? How you doing, bud? Uh, we are here to wrap up the grueling NBA Finals that Larry O'Brien has been awarded. And to say the least, man, I can't believe the Raptors did it like they did it, but it was helped. We're going to get into a lot of stuff about this. We're going to talk about the Warriors. We're going to talk about the Raptors. We're going to talk about the series in general, uh, bring up some stats and tell you why we think it went the way it went. Uh, also, we want to talk a little bit about uh, this. what's going to happen this week in the NBA, which is going to be the NBA draft on Thursday. Uh, we're going to do our 2019 NBA mock draft, so that will be fun. We'll just do one through 15, so the lottery picks. And uh, that'll be a little bit later in the show. But I do want to get started off here, Sean, with the NBA Finals. Kawhi Leonard taking home MVP. That's no no surprise that the after the Raptors won it. But, I mean, both of me and you still picked the Warriors to win this series. Uh, after all the injuries and everything, I mean, what can you say about the Raptors? What can you say about Kawhi? I think that they played their perfect series. They did everything that they needed to do to win. Uh, they came out and won game one, which was a big tone setter. I think as we both had talked about that before, they had to come out and win game one if they wanted to make a run of that. And then taking the first two games and Oracle on the Warriors' home court, going up 3-1, that really put the Warriors in a hole. And they played the first, I think, four games without Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant gets hurt in game five. Clay Thompson gets hurt in game six. I know I know Looney was playing with a fractured collarbone at some point. So the Warriors, this run of like five or six years right straight to the finals every year, it's starting to take a toll on their bodies. And I think this is the way that it had to end for them. You know, they had to go down with missing pieces or they wasn't they weren't gonna go down. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think that obviously was the key to, to the series for Toronto or the key to the, you know, the opportunity for somebody else to win a championship. After, you know, in the, in the conference finals, after Kevin Durant was done for, and then everybody, you know, is he coming back? Is he coming back? I mean, Boogie wasn't even at 100%. He really just played for the finals. Uh, it's, you know, it, it, it's tough to see him go down like that. But I just, you know, now that, now that I look back at it, it's almost only fitting for it to happen with Kawhi. Like, seriously, such a quiet superstar. And yeah, dude, and dude just plays good basketball. The killer of three peats. I'm sure most people saw that stat. Yeah. So I mean, it, Kawhi has always been a different breed of player. He's always been more about his play than what he is. He talks about. I mean, this is how he is. I think that it was like you said. It's only fitting that he's the guy that doesn't, because you you have to try really hard to not like Kawhi at the end of the day. I know a lot of Spurs fans myself included, were a little frustrated with him last year. But, I mean, at the end of the day, it was what it was. And now he's on Toronto, and they won a championship, something Toronto hasn't done in a long time, ever. Toronto's ever never done, yeah. Was, that was the first one in, in franchise history. I think, I mean, Avi, I, I, now I just, it made me think, was DeMar DeRozan the reason why the Raptors couldn't get where they were? I don't think that's really what it is. I just think Kawhi Leonard's that good. That's not fair to put 
that on DeMar like that. But, but yeah, so I, guess, actually, I think Kawhi's that good. I mean, did you see the, the Bleacher Report Game of Zones video where they basically just made DeMar DeRozan the sacrificial lamb? They had to sacrifice him to win a championship. Um, and I think they would do it again, honestly, if they had to make that trade. It's going to go down as one of the most underrated, best trades in NBA history. Well, especially if he sticks around. I mean, Kawhi exactly. Leonard's yeah, Kawhi Leonard's going to be a free agent. Uh, if he sticks around with Toronto, that that that'll turn out to be obviously the biggest franchise-altering move that they they yeah. ever made. You know what? Honestly, though, even if he leaves, I still think it ends up being the best trade in NBA history because it won them a championship. Which that that doesn't actually happen. Like even like with LA and everything, like everybody thinks just one year, like this is how it's gonna work. I mean, a, when that's it not kinda, how it works. It kind of worked with Miami, you know. Uh, they, but they, they, they still had. Though. I was gonna say, yeah, they still had to iron out um, what they were doing. They had the team together for long enough for it to work out, but not in one year. That and first especially year not was for one guy. Exactly. That first year in Miami was just LeBron, Dwayne, and Chris Bosh. There was no bench which I think separates this Toronto team from the beginning of the Golden State dynasty or the beginning of the Miami quote-unquote dynasty is they have bench players. They had a bench that could come out and carry the team when superstars needed the break, and which is something those other teams did not have. Yeah. I mean, we, we, we talked throughout the playoffs. You know, Steph was up and down. Um, even in this series, you know, there was no way that Steph could carry them. Um, it was, I mean, it, the Warriors were obviously hobbled. I mean, you were, you were seeing Andre Karolinko or, um, Andre, Jonas Jarebko. Th- that's what I meant. Sorry. <laughs> that's, that's, this is my point. Is that, it, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's just, it's just another guy who really sh- shouldn't be seeing minutes and no, in NBA sure. finals. He, he didn't play for two games in NBA finals. Then two games, he had like 21 minutes. Like you, it's it's obvious that they're trying to plug and play and make things work, and it, it wasn't gonna, yeah, it wasn't gonna work against somebody like Kawhi who is so consi- consistent. I mean, we talked about this. I, I think we talked about Kyle Lowry a lot when we were talking about the Milwaukee Bucks series uh, with Toronto, and we were kind of saying Kyle Lowry was going to be an X factor in that series and how how he performed. And I mean, even it was funny. I saw like a tweet from him or something, or, or even I just saw him talk after the fact. He was, you know, everybody always has talked, you know, talk crap about me. Everybody's always doubted me. Like he's the most slandered player in the league. And I even thought, you know, to a degree, even we did that a couple weeks ago. Uh, yeah. When we were talking about him, we had no faith in Kyle Lowry. We, we talked about his turnover, his problems and this and that. I mean, the dude showed up, especially in game six, but all throughout the finals, he was a consistent point guard. He played good defense on Steph, and he made his shots. Real quick question for you. If you had to pick one player, either team, that kind of surprised you, is this kind of was their breakout, who would you go with? Just well, I mean, I mean, I think it's obvious for Toronto that it's uh, Fred Flamfleet. Uh, he's, he, he's not supposed to be the guy, but dude was putting up like 23 points a game. You see, um, I'm going to go that way. Well, I – Still Toronto, but I want, I'm going to go with Pascal Siakam. Yeah, I mean, I but he was like to me, Pascal Siakam really was like the number two in Toronto. Like, All right, man. All right. that, I guess that's how I look at it. Like that, and he he performed well. Don't get me wrong, but yeah. I'm just talking like Van Vliet's like a bag a, a bench player. No, I agree. Yeah, him coming off the bench, I think it's a good. Uh, 
what did he go points wise in the series? He went 17, 11, 8, 11, and 22. The series against Milwaukee was where he really had his breakout. Um, his three point shooting was off the charts for the last, the entire playoffs, honestly. I think that, yeah, you could make the argument for him that he really did bust out this playoffs and turn into a good player. Yeah. And I mean, if we're going. If we're going for Golden State, honestly, I was surprised that Boogie Cousins was able to get up and down the court and perform the way that he did after being basically cold for the whole season. Yeah, no, I agree. I think when you start looking at Golden State, though, there's not really a guy that you didn't expect that from. Boogie kind of had a breakout, but for this part of the season, he's a dominant player otherwise. Yeah, I mean, he but he wasn't even supposed to play. Uh, no, I was yeah. I was I was surprised at his level of play. He came back with some fire and he was ready to go. He looked like I mean he obviously didn't look like quite himself, but uh I think that you know he definitely made a difference in that series. It would have been a lot worse had he not been there. No, but, I agree. I mean now we have now we do we have to talk about the Warriors injuries. Uh yeah. I mean Katie coming back and playing for two quarters ish and tearing his Achilles. That is, from what I understand, basically the worst injury you can have in basketball. Yes. Um, but he tore his Achilles. I mean, Boogie tore his Achilles. I mean, somebody uh, – that if that's not bad enough, Clay Thompson tears his ACL in game six. Yeah. And we're talking about two guys who I feel terrible for because they're both due for long-term contracts. The thing with – it makes it more interesting in Kevin Durant's case. I remember seeing a tweet a couple of days ago that Clay Thompson is still wanting to re-sign in Golden State. That's his plan is to re-sign in Golden State. So it's going to make the structure of his deal difficult because he's going to miss all of next season. The real interesting part to me is the Kevin Durant piece because he can opt in to Golden State and kind of do the Boogie Cousins route, get your rehab done, get right, and then go into free agency – next offseason like Boogie's getting ready to do now or you can just max him out and not know how he's going to respond from that Achilles injury yeah I mean somebody's if 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 he doesn't opt in with Golden State somebody is going to have to pay him a max contract long-term deal he's not going anywhere without max yeah that's what I mean with the torn Achilles Kevin Durant will still get paid that money yes how can you not no anybody would do it Exactly. If you got the room, that's and that's what it's going to take to get a top five player in the NBA right now. You do it. It's just you're going to have to make sure his rehab goes right. You're going to have to stay on top of it and protect your investment. But I'm not sure. What do you think he's going to do? I mean, personally, I don't leave Golden State. No, I mean, I at least not for the next. You opt in and make them pay you to fucking rehab with them, basically, and be a part yeah. of the team. No, I agree. That's and exactly. then you figure it out. Like, I mean, unless somebody, unless somebody tries to come in and be like, yo, check it out. But he has to make that decision if he opts in or out before anybody else can even offer him a deal. Yeah, no, I, that's exactly what I would have said. And to the people who think that there are going to be no changes to Golden State, did you see the tweet the other day from somebody that if for them to keep this team intact, their luxury tax bill is going to be into the 600 millions? Wow. Yeah, so it's that's not a, that's not an option. Some someone's leaving. 
one or two people are leaving this Golden State team. It's just a matter of who and when, because it's impossible to keep this team together. Uh, I mean, you know, it's not impossible. Oh, unless the owner wants to write that six hundred million dollar check. Yeah, which that that's just fun. That's now that, now that I'm sitting here and thinking about it, that's so arbitrary. You're just like, oh, we just got to pay the NBA six hundred million dollars because I want to pay my players more. Yeah, no, I understand that. That's pretty dumb, uh, but that's probably a topic for another day. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, I think I think Clay Thompson tearing his ACL is terrible too. Oh, uh, I, yeah, it's dreadful. I, I, I'm not saying that the Warriors are done or anything like that because I definitely don't think so. I mean, either way, I mean we've seen Steph carry them for an entire season. Yeah. Uh, so I, I know that, you know, they're not in any way, you know, gone, but no way Boogie's going to be there. I don't know who's going to sign Boogie, but I think somebody will sign him to a pretty decent deal. Chicago Bulls. And, That's my guess right now. Yeah, I, can, yeah I can see him in a Bulls jersey. Maybe we should just trade Andre Drummond away and uh, Matt, the Pistons pick him up. Anyways. What do you mean? <clears throat> Tom Gores loves all those double-doubles. I know. Anyways, world uh, Tom Gores. So we were obviously wrong about our prediction because we thought Milwaukee wasn't even going to make it into the finals, but Toronto's the one to dethrone the Warriors and stop a three-peat. Are you surprised? Yes, I am surprised. Just because I even even with the Warriors down three-one, I did not think they were going to lose the series. I mean, we've seen it before with the Warriors being the team to blow it. And Toronto was not as good of a team as that Golden State team that blew the 3-1 lead. So the whole time during the series, I was like, all right, just wait for Golden State, wait for Kevin Durant to come back. And then when Kevin Durant got hurt, I was like, all right, well, they swept Portland without Durant. They can figure out a way to beat the Raptors. And then Clay Thompson got hurt, and then I was going to be surprised if they won game six. So I was surprised more of how they lost than that they lost, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I I wouldn't disagree. My big my biggest thing is it's I, I would have never I would have never bet on Toronto. I wouldn't but, either. I mean we've we've talked over the last couple of years, literally we've we said it though, even with DeMar DeRozan. Now that I think about it, it really wasn't even that. It's just that LeBron went to the West. Mm-hmm. Um I mean the the Raptors have looked like they were gonna break through and do this over the last couple of years. I mean, even with with Dwayne Casey, uh you know, one coach of the year. I think they had they had the one seed. They had the best record in the East, uh, not this year, but the la- but the last year. Well, and and this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but d- I still wouldn't have put them in the finals. I still wouldn't have said they were going to get it. And which makes sense because when you look at it, they fired the reigning coach of the year, traded away an all-time franchise player in Demar Derozan. Brought in a first-time head coach in Nick Nurse, and a honestly, when they traded for him, there was a lot of question marks around Kawhi Leonard and if he was even going to play this year as well. They risked it all and ended up with an NBA championship. I, if anybody put money on them before the season started, I congratulations, you are smarter than ninety percent of everybody on the planet. Uh, probably a lot richer too. Yeah. Those odds were probably way big. Anyways, uh, yeah, so Raptors and six, and 
congrats to them. I mean, first one in franchise history. Hopefully they can hang on to Kawhi. I, I, I personally think that he'll stay. I, I do think, too. I think he likes it up there. I think it's quiet. It's nice. The king um, of the nerf. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, he can be a, a, a national superstar in Canada. Yeah. You, now, now you, you, did you see the Coactus video yet? No, what was it? Uh, just for anybody, go on, go on Instagram or go on Facebook or Twitter or wherever you look up videos and look up uh, the, the Kawhi plant man on the news uh, after the game. He literally, I don't know what it was. I think he ripped it out of the ground, but this guy was literally holding like a plant, like, I mean, like a house plant that was like <laughs> five, five feet tall. And the news guy goes up to him. He goes, hey, what's that? And he's like, yeah, it's, it's, it's a plant for Kawhi Leonard. I want to give it to him and say thank you. And it was just, just the most Canadian thing ever. He was literally like, <laughs> literally trying to be so nice. Like I wanted to welcome him and say thank you for coming to Toronto. And you, it, 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 no, that, no. What he said, I think he said it's a housewarming gift because he's staying next year. Oh, and uh, and he ended up coming out and he goes blah blah blah. And he goes, yeah, it's a it's a house house pan for quiet. It's a coactus. <laughs> so yeah, go ahead and take a look at that. It's actually really funny, but. Uh, with that being said, we are going to move into the future. The NBA draft is on Thursday. The NBA draft. We want to talk about what happened yesterday. I mean, yeah, Anthony Davis getting traded over to the Lakers, and the Lakers giving up their number four pick, so now New Orleans has two in there. Yeah, I guess let's talk about that for a second. I mean, we knew it was in the works. Uh, <laughs> New Orleans got a haul. They got Blonzo Ball, Josh Hart. Brandon Ingram and three first round picks, including the number four pick this year. Yes. And a lot of people look at it. It's not just only three first round picks. There's best available, their best switches. There's lots of other stuff that goes into those um, kind of conditions on those picks. So one person put it best that New Orleans kind of owns the Lakers draft for the next seven years. They have control over the Lakers draft. And I think that that's when you start getting into that. Maybe we gave up too much range. I don't have a problem with the players that were given up. I think, honestly, they didn't give up enough player capital that Anthony Davis is worth. But when you start giving up that much draft capital, I think that's where it starts shifting into New Orleans' favor. I mean, yeah, and Anthony Davis, I mean, I, you knew it was going to take something. I honestly, I'm still, I'm sitting here. I know Laker fans are just like salivating, just thinking about having Anthony Davis and LeBron James on the court at the same time. I mean, that's some 2K shit. Uh, that, that, you know, that's what, that's what I do in our GM modes uh, <laughs> to, to make insane teams. I mean, that's how the NBA really has turned to be over the last few years. But Anthony, and Anthony Davis has already made it, announced it, that he plans on signing a long-term max deal with the Lakers after this season. <laughs> So that's the one thing about that trade that I think the Lakers are happy about. They know that they got Anthony Davis on the Lakers for probably the next seven years. Here's the other thing, though, that just came out today, and a lot of people are like, how, how does that even make sense? By the, the timing of when this trade is going to be put through, July 6th, instead of at the end of July – the Lakers do lose that last max spot that they had available. So they can't sign anybody else to a max deal as previously thought before. Yeah. So somebody would have to take a bit of a pay cut in order to come and play out in LA with LeBron and AD. 
so when you start looking at some of the names that were thrown around, there's uh, Kemba Walker was one. Kyrie Irving was somehow in the discussion of being one of them. And I think the last one was somehow Chris Paul ending up on the Lakers. I don't think any of those are going to happen now. Kyrie was never an option to me, but Kemba and Chris Paul were, I think they're both ruled out now. What do you think? Well, I, I, I don't think Kemba Walker, I don't honestly, God, I don't think Kemba Walker leaves Charlotte. I don't either. Um, I just can't, I, I really couldn't see him in another, another Jersey. I think he likes it there. He's been, he, I mean, he's that, he's that franchise's like best player. Yeah. Um, basically of all time with, with numbers and such. Uh, he surpassed just about everybody. I don't see him leaving there. But, yeah, I mean, even people talked about Kawhi going to the Lakers for a little <laughs> bit, and it's like there's no chance. But, oh, no. I, I, but, oh if, if Kawhi and Anthony Davis were on the same team, I would be scared for the NBA. Would you I be would more be... scared of Kawhi and Anthony Davis or LeBron than Anthony Davis? If you had to pick a duo. I'd be more scared of Kawhi and Anthony Davis. I would too, yeah. Defensively, what are you going to do? Score 60 points a night. Yeah, what are you going to do? But anyways, that's all Dream State stuff for, for the Lakers fans because we know that's not going to happen. Uh, I actually said this to my Laker fan. Uh, my friend who's a Laker fan, he, he sent me that list of names basically, and I was like, they're, they're not going to get anybody like that. No. You know, it can be, you know, they can get a, a – they might be able to get like a Bradley Beal or something like that. Maybe not him, but that type of complimentary player. You know who's in the upper, who's in the upper echelon of skill in the NBA, but not in the in the you know max contract range. You know who is the last I would put quote quote unquote superstar player to join LeBron was Kevin Love. Yeah, how'd that work out for Kevin Love? Basically, got pushed back, and now he's stuck doing nothing. So I think a lot of superstars are weary of playing with LeBron because Kevin Love was at his peak. He was averaging, at what, 20 points, 20 rebounds with the Timberwolves? Yeah, just about. And ends up on gold, the Cleveland Cavaliers, and he's not been the same player since. Yeah, basically became an afterthought. So we're going to keep our eye on Anthony Davis because we don't think the same thing is going to happen to him, not even by a chance. He's too good. He's better yeah. than Kevin Bob was. But at the same time, it's going to be interesting to keep an eye on. Yeah, but this is where we get into the fun. We have a – a mock draft to do, and yes. uh, since we're since we're talking about it, I mean, New Orleans has the number one pick. Uh, we're just I'll, we'll run through the picks for you. New Orleans number one, Memphis number two, the Knicks number three. New Orleans then copped that number four pick from the Los Angeles Lakers. So New Orleans again at four, the Cavaliers at five, Phoenix at six, Chicago at seven, Atlanta at eight, Washington at nine, Dallas at ten. Or Atlanta at 10 from Dallas. Minnesota at what, 11. Miami at 12. Boston at 13. I might have skipped one yeah. there. But. Char- Charlotte's at 12. Miami's at 13. Boston's at 14. Okay. Yeah. Uh, anyways, we're going to go back and forth in our normal mock draft style. We have flipped the coin. Sean is going to go first. And uh, is this as obvious as I believe it will be? Easiest draft decision for an NBA team since LeBron James. I would put it that way. Um, Zion Williamson, Duke. We're not going to spend time on it. We've done enough Zion talk. He's amazing. He's going to be amazing. 
Zion to New Orleans. Yeah, uh, I, I think we talked about this when the draft order came out just a little bit, uh, these first few picks. And I personally think Memphis is going to love taking John Morant at number two. I think he fits really well there. I think they're going to need a score, like we've talked about. Mike Conley kind of, you know, on his down on his down slope in his career. They're going to like John Moran out there with Jaron Jackson. All right. New York Knicks at three. I'm going to go R.J. Barrett. I think he's all the best player available on the board right now. And they're – talk about bad off seasons for the Knicks, to potentially getting Kyrie and KD. Kyrie says, no, nah, I prefer Brooklyn. And Kevin Durant tears his Achilles. Um, not worked out great for the Knicks. Also, considering they had the high, one of the highest odd odds for the lottery, and end up at three. So RJ Barrett is about as good as a consolation prize as the Knicks are going to get this offseason. So they should take it because he's going to be a scorer in the NBA. I personally don't know if I'm all on the RJ Barrett train, but the Knicks seem to like him, and he seems to like the Knicks. So I think that's a pretty good pick. The other thing is, at number three overall, who else do you take? I think this is the bottom end of the elite talent group in this draft class. Like, there's a the tier system. This is the bot. RJ is the bottom of the top tier. I think that once you get past him, a lot of arguments could be made for a lot of different players. So I think he fits right in at three. All right. Number four, this kind of, you know, has taken a turn in the last week. We've talked about, obviously, the trade. Uh, but now New Orleans has – a really, 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 really young team. And it's it's kind of going to be weird to see who they got to try and fit in there. Do they try to replace Anthony Davis? Uh, do they try to get somebody who's a bit bigger? I mean, imagine if like Bull Bull or something went here, but it's not going to happen. Um, honestly, I think they do take uh, Rui Hachimara. I do. Um, he's a small forward. He kind of, I think he'll be able to learn from like Brandon Ingram. Uh, be able to, you know, kind of go in there. I don't know that they keep – I think a lot of people would put Cam Reddish in the spot, but I don't know that they would keep the teammates together, even though it would probably be – it'd be nice. I don't think that they'll do two dookies uh, in the first, you know, four picks. Yeah, moving on to Cleveland at number five. I'm going to go Cam Reddish here for Cleveland. I think he's one of the bigger risk picks for the entire draft. Uh, he did not have a great year at Duke, did not produce like he was supposed to. But at the same time, you cannot look at him and not see a basketball player, the size, the length, the shooting stroke, the abilities. He's going to be productive at some point in his NBA career. And Cleveland just needs guys right now. So I think they take him. All right. Number six for Phoenix. Uh, Phoenix is starting to look good, and uh, with DeAndre Ayton, you still got Devin Booker. You still got this young talent. I think they're going to be able to make a turn after this year. Uh, One guy who I think is starting to slide up the boards and somebody that they could probably use for his defense is uh, Jarrett Culver from Texas Tech. Yeah, I can see that. Jarrett Culver, he uh, provides a little bit of a different – you know, Josh Jackson really hasn't worked out at the small forward position for them. Yeah. Jared Culver could could slide right in there and be an offensive-defensive guy. So right. moving on, I think uh, number seven here, 
I'm going to go with Darius Garland, the point guard from Vanderbilt. I think that he fits the team need and where they're at right now. I'm not really sure what else they need. I mean, we talked about it before. They have big guys. They just need someone to run the point. I think Darius Garland really puts them kind of towards the more finished part of their rebuild and just towards development. All right. Now, this is uh, another stretch pick, but we're talking about the, cr- the craziest measurables that, you know, anybody's seen. And uh, I think that they could use it with Trey Young uh, down there with the Hawks. You know, they, they incrementally got better. Uh, but I think that they shake it up and they go with Bull Bull inside of the top, you know, inside of the top 10 because he is a freak of nature. In general, I, I, even in the NBA, that guy is bigger than everybody else. Yeah, he's huge. It's going to be a question of his health when it comes time for that to be known. Where Where is he at health-wise? Where is he at weight-wise? Because I remember reading something that he had dropped 30 pounds from when he was injured at Oregon until he checked in at the NBA Combine. How much weight has he put back on, and is he ready to be in an everyday NBA lineup? I think that he will be. I think there's, there's worries about his size, his weight, I mean, aren't really something to worry about. I think he'll figure that he's more people have done it than not played skinny in the NBA. It's just a question of can he stay healthy, and that's what Atlanta's gambling on. Number nine, Washington Wizards. I'm going to go with Kobe White, point guard from North Carolina. John Wall's out all year, and then after that, he has one of the biggest contracts in NBA history, and his play has declined. So why not bring in a young guy that can learn from John Wall? Um, Kobe White kind of semi-reminds some people of John Wall in college just with his scoring ability. He's got range. He can score. So that's what a lot of people are looking at. Not as great of a passer um, as John Wall is, in my opinion. I think that he does deserve to be a top 10 pick, though. All right. Now, the Hawks have another pick almost pulling a New Orleans, but just somewhere here in the middle. So you know they're going to be able to scoop up a little bit of good talent. Uh, I mean, Trey Young obviously had, a, like I said, a near rookie of the year campaign uh, last year. I think they actually try to put somebody next to him, and uh, they go with uh, Nasir Little from UNC. Back-to-back picks for us coming off the boards for the Tar Heels. Uh, but they, they, they get another scoring threat and another guy – um, in the front court, who, who's able to make some plays with Trey Young. And then if they have Bull Bull, I think that turns out to be a pretty solid young core. Yep, moving on to Minnesota at number 11. Um, this is a guy who I think might go a little bit higher, but just how this board has played out, he's sitting here at 11. Is DeAndre Hunter from UVA. I mean, he proved in the last few games of the tournament his range is there. He can hit threes. He is a lockdown defensive player. He covers multiple positions. He's going to be a a stopper and scorer no matter where he plays. I think Minnesota has a bunch of guys that can play that small forward position. But in in today's basketball where you've got so many guys playing multiple positions, DeAndre Hunter is an an immediate asset to whatever team drafts him. He's a plug-and-play player in my opinion. And I think that Minnesota gets probably one of the better players, NBA-ready players in the draft at 11. All right, at number 12 is Charlotte. We talked a little bit about them earlier on. But, you know, somebody who I think underwhelmed 
in his you know college time, but has been a very very high, highly touted prospect for a minute is Romeo Langford. Um, I do see I could see him meshing well uh, down there, and once again, almost like you said about John Wall, um, ha- giving him some time to learn under a veteran in Charlotte would be perfect uh, for him. I think that's exactly what he needs. I'm not quite sure if he goes in the lottery, but if he does, I think he goes towards the end here and it's to a team like Charlotte. Number 13 overall, Miami Heat. I'm going to take Nikhil Alexander-Walker from Virginia Tech, kind of a 3-and-D player specialist in college. Played a little bit at the point while Virginia Tech's point guard was out, but I think he kind of slides into Miami's offense immediately in the 2-3 area in the offense. And he's a defensive player he can make threes he can make his own shot to a certain extent Miami doesn't really have that they have a point guard they have some big guys on white side I think that they're just looking for some scoring and Alexander Walker could potentially give that to them all right and to close out the lottery it's Boston sneaking in there at number 14 I mean their experiment didn't work out the way they wanted it to Kyrie is now going to be out possibly on a, you know, free agent deal somewhere else. Who knows if he's going to stay in Boston, to be honest. And that, that's one of the more cryptic uh, situations. Uh, but just, just a slide in here at the end of the lottery. I think uh, Kentucky's Keldon Johnson gets scooped up. Um, if, he, if he slides way down into the first round, I would be surprised. So, Yeah. That's the lottery for you. There it is. <laughs> yeah, no, we uh, definitely know. I think I think those top three picks are about set in stone. Um, it's it, it, everything after that. It's a toss yeah, up, and it's tough. Um, there are some of these guys, like I said, though, with Jared Culver, Bull Bull. Those guys, I think, are going to go inside of the top ten, regardless of who they go to. Uh, I feel like it'd be dumb not to. I mean, even just. Man, you draft you draft somebody like Bull Bull literally because he was born that way. Yeah, and I think even looking at this, the more that I look at what we've just put together, I think DeAndre Hunter will slide up into that top ten. We have him at eleven, but with just how fluid picks four through fourteen are going to be, I think that it's going to be pretty much set in stone. All right. Well, I am excited to see how it goes. The NBA draft is. Always a little bit better than than the other ones because you do get to see the talent, you know, translate immediately. So it it makes a difference to me where you pick, how you pick. But, yeah, anyways, we're going to wrap up uh, a rather long, longer show today. Uh, I know we've been a little bit over a half hour. So uh, thank you so much for listening. Make sure you like, share, subscribe. Love it, heart it, list it, whatever you got to do. We love you. Thank you for listening. As always, my name is Jake Atnip. I'm Sean Dwyer. Thanks for listening to Just Saying Sports, and we'll see you next week.